Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Hi, and I'm Sharon Hannafin. I'm a 23-year survivor. In fact, this month, I'm (laughs) I'm also a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. We're also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And our guest today is Tambra Lane, and Tambra is a leading expert in coaching for cancer survivors, caregivers, and healthcare professionals. She's also a published author, speaker, and very outspoken health advocate. Welcome, Tambra. We're so glad to have you on our show. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you to both of you for inviting me on today and uh, giving us a chance to really address some of the challenges and needs of caregivers. And Sharon, congratulations. Uh, I just can say congratulations <laughs> on your 23rd year as a survivor this oh, month. That's an incredible thank milestone. Thank you. I know, isn't it? I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really excited to have you on, Tambra, because this is the first time we've really um, had a guest that's going to talk about from the caregiver perspective. But before we get into that, please introduce yourself to the audience and then tell us a bit about your story, okay? Sure, I'd love to. You know, I've been uh, many things in my life, and I currently wear a number of hats professionally, but I, I think what matters most to share with this audience is to know that everything in my life right now really comes from being a caregiver to my late husband, and before that, to my mother when I was just a teenager. I actually wrote about that experience in a short story called The Other Side of Pink that appeared in an anthology titled Tarnished, uh, True Tales of Innocence Lost. And, mm. and then two decades after becoming my mother's caregiver, I became my husband's caregiver after he was diagnosed wow. with Hodgkin's disease, and he was only oh 34 years old at the time. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That must yeah, have been so, devastating. Mm. Uh, you know, it was uh, certainly a, the uh, initial diagnosis was an absolute shock. Uh, as many people, you know, can relate to, often people are in very good health uh, and not necessarily experiencing a lot of side uh, side effects or symptoms, and so can kind of come at you from out of the out of the blue. And uh, so, yes, it was it was definitely a shock and a very difficult circumstance to go through. And uh, unfortunately, he did not survive treatment and passed mm-hmm. three years after his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's that. really hard. But, you know, we understand that coming out of the blue thing because, you know, it's kind of similar with breast cancer. People say they feel fine. They have no anything. And then one day you get this diagnosis that just because they find it on a mammogram. Who knew, you know? So it's yep. shocking. It's shocking anyway, you know, when you go through that, that it's like, what? <laughs> I have what? So that must have been really hard for you. And then you, you said you cared for him for three years and then and then he passed. Yes. And yeah, I jumped that's... into the caregiver role immediately. I'm, I'm definitely somebody who's, a, you know, a big organizer. I'm a big researcher. And, uh, and he actually had asked me right at the beginning when we first started into the journey of uh, understanding what his treatment options were, if I would kind of take the lead in doing the research because he mm-hmm. wanted to be mindful about how much information he took in and what information he took in. Uh, he felt very strongly about keeping his mind focused on the positive 
And uh, so I was kind of the filter, as it were, and uh-huh. I would go and do the general research and then bring back the key points to him. Um, so that was kind of the first step in uh, to that role. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, this was, he was diagnosed back in 1998, and there were, well, they weren't using the term survivor, you know, in the clinic at the time. Uh, and there weren't a lot of resources for survivors or caregivers, people going through treatment. It was just, you were kind of on your own. And I, I remember asking about nutrition because we understood there was an impact on your body with what you put into it. And, of course, I got handed a pamphlet on how to make milkshakes. So, I mean, the intention was good. (laughs) The intention was good, good, The intention was keep the weight on, but uh, there was not a lot of mindfulness about the process for keeping the weight on with uh, with that kind of thing. So yeah. that was, you know, that was kind of how I got started. I kind of, I took over uh, researching our nutrition and then in order to help him manage some of the side effects of treatment, such as fatigue and stress, I decided to get trained in healing arts therapies, such as Reiki, reflexology and massage. And, mm. you know, I didn't know it at the time because that's kind of how life is, but this was really my first step that would eventually take my life in a whole different direction. Yeah. So, uh, so while that. Gary was going through cancer, he continued to work in film production, and I was part of his team working as his art department coordinator. And it was a great help in a lot of ways because I literally had 24-hour access, 24 access to provide care for him at home, at work. But the challenging side of that was over time it took an incredible toll on my own well-being because I was literally immersed in caregiving 24 hours a day. Wow. Wow. So did he did he continue to work in that field along with you through this whole thing? Or was there a point where you kind of just had to stop and go full time caregiving? Uh, I continued to work the whole time. And uh, there was about a six month uh, time period where the symptoms and side effects just got too much for Gary. And he stopped working Mm -hmm. for about six months. Uh, but he was working full-time uh, the last six months of his life and, in fact, was mm. working on two projects at the same time um, up wow. until about three weeks before his death. So, uh, wow. luckily, he was very ambulatory and, you know, I wasn't involved in the personal side of caregiving such as, you know, bathing or lifting. You know, those can take a, a lot of physical and uh, emotional tolls on caregivers that I uh, didn't have, you know, that weren't part of my experience. Uh, but certainly I was immersed in it, and uh, I wasn't uh, typical of caregivers. I, I wasn't very good at putting myself uh, what I would perceive as at, uh, for, you know, first at any given time. I wanted to make sure all the resources were going to him and his care. And yeah. so self-care, it led to a lot self-care of self-care can be tough out. when you're when you're in that kind of situation. You, you kind of put yourself on the back burner, that's for sure. Oof. Yeah, it's yeah, tough. It can be a, a so, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, so it sounds like you really had kind of a pretty successful career in Hollywood during all of that time. And and then after he passed, you made a big change in your life, didn't you? You decided to go into coaching. And what, what inspired you to do that? 
You know, I went through a very challenging period of grief recovery. And as part of the healing process, I started writing my memoir on recreating my life after loss. Not that I knew how I was going to do it, but I was writing about the process and writing about the loss. And along the way, I was introduced to coaching. And as a former professional athlete who always turned to coaches when I needed to learn new skills or achieve major goals or I needed support to take my my athletic uh, skills to another level, um, I used a coach. So when somebody said to me, you know, hey, there's a thing called life coaching and maybe you could coach people through, you know, the experience that you went through and through some of the challenges that you faced where you felt you didn't have uh, the kind of resources and support you needed. And then it was kind of like a light bulb going on. That just made sense to me. So Mm -hmm. the writing and the coach training really unfolded into me becoming a leading health blogger and advocate for survivors and caregivers and uh, an expert in coaching survivors and, um, and doing speaking. So it just, you know, it opened up a, a whole different world to me. And yeah, I had no regrets for the time I spent working in Hollywood at all. It was a, a big, big part of my life. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of amazing stories and experiences and skills from it as well. But after losing you just, Mary, you just the, recently, yeah. you just recently moved back up here from there. Did, weren't you living in L.A. all this time? Oh, no, I'm based out of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. OK. I'm still okay. Based out of Los you, Angeles. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was all, uh, you know, but I've left the Hollywood piece behind. And um, after, you know, after losing Gary and the future that we planned, I just found myself without passion or purpose. Mm, And it was really a lot of self-reflection and a long period of grief recovery to realize that the one thing that mattered to me and was my reason to get up in the morning was the opportunity to help others. And so that's what really inspired me to walk away and uh, was the opportunity to really take the challenges that Gary and I faced and bring new tools and resources to cancer survivors and caregivers to lead the best life possible, no matter what challenges they may be facing. Well, that really makes sense. Yeah. So for those who don't know really or understand what coaching really is, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what coaching really is and how it relates as a a resource for the cancer community? Well, I see coaching, you know, the coaching relationship as a collaborative effort between the individual, which in coaching we refer to as the client, we don't refer to them as patients, um, and the coach. And the relationship is solely based on what the client wants. So coaches are trained to be objective and non-judgmental and not attached to any outcome or decision made by the client. And that's a wonderful space for people to really be able to step into and get the kind of support that they need when there's no agenda on the other side of the conversation. And it's just a space where they can explore all their different range of emotions or thoughts on decisions that they want to make and to really have you know, a sounding board that helps them become more clear about what they want. So I really use coaching as a process to empower people, to help them increase their self-awareness and facilitate more conscious decision-making, and then also to be able to forward those decisions into focused and organized action so that there's actually change that occurs out of the process of becoming more aware and making decisions based more on values and priorities uh, and what you really want in life versus just kind of reacting to what's happening. And then, of course, we also use coaching to create accountability and to help people measure progress in their life. 
Right. Sharon, right. that sounds a lot like your Thriving Beyond Cancer program, you know, oh, which absolutely. is specific for <laughs> patients who are done with, with treatment. But there's an awful lot of similarities there I'm, I'm hearing. And it well, sounds a coach like, is a coach, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. we, we just have different ways of, of uh, using those skills to be able to bring out the best in people. I think that's that's what the, the point of coaching is, is we kind of walk alongside that person and encourage and, like you said, uh, Tambra, to, to give them accountability for what, they, what they've told us is their goals. And so yeah. we try to help them um, in a very positive way to, to accomplish that. So, yeah, that makes complete sense. So wh- what do you find? I mean, to me, being a caregiver is harder than being the patient sometimes. Um, what do you find to be the hardest part about being a caregiver? And, and how, does that, how, how does that work with coaching someone who's a caregiver? I would say I wish there was a shorter list of top challenges for caregivers. The list is a a little bit longer um, than perhaps somebody who's using life coaching to make a a career change uh, or to work on uh, perhaps, you know, their their physical well-being. So, unfortunately, the list is a little bit longer. Definitely, I find that uh, caregivers come to me dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm. They are typically wearing a wide range of hats and mm-hmm. have a lot of times taken on um, hats that perhaps they're, the person that they were caregiving for you know, were, was wearing. So all of a sudden they're in charge of a lot of well, what's going on. So stress and overwhelm definitely and uh, physical fatigue and compassion fatigue after extended periods of time um, and then there's also the uh, feeling isolated piece. So in our situation, because we both worked freelance in uh, Hollywood, and this is true for you know many people in in a career, there is either a hesitancy or an actual decision to not share about the um, uh, about the cancer diagnosis or about being in a caregiver role. Uh, a lot of times, out of fear that um, somebody will make an assumption that this is going to impact your work or what you're going to be able to contribute. And then there's often the need to protect, you know, insurance um, and income while right. you're dealing with this at, uh, at home. So mm-hmm. it can be isolating if the number of people that you are able to share the information with is limited. And that's the decision that Gary made when he was diagnosed, that he did not want to tell anybody but, you know, absolutely had to know kind of people in oh, order wow. to make sure that he could continue to work. Mm-hmm. So as his caregiver, mm-hmm. I was one of the few people that he could talk to because our circle of friends, a lot of them came from the film industry and, you know, our closest friends, of course, knew, but uh, more extended friends uh, and business associates did not know. Uh, and then there can also be um, uh, fear and anxiety over what's to come and, uh, and then self-judgment um, for having, you know, natural feelings of, you know, maybe moments of anger or frustration at the fact of, you know, having to face this. Um, right, and right. those are natural feelings, but, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes people will feel badly or guilty if they have a feeling like, oh, I wish this wasn't happening to us, and, or I just need a break, or when is it going to be my turn? Exactly. Um, oh, boy, yeah. yeah. And that would be a hard conversation to have with a friend or a family member because, you know, there's got to be some guilt around feeling that. So 
talking that through with a life coach is going to be very helpful because you can kind of help them sort through those feelings. You know, we only have about probably a minute left till our break. So let me just ask you a, a quick question. And if we don't have enough time, we'll pick it up on the other side. But I know you, I know you have a very simple summary of what it is that you work on with your clients and, you know, through your well beyond this program and that there is one thing that changes everything. And I am so excited to hear what that one thing is. And you know what? Let's not even go there right now. Let's pick it up on the other side because we do have to take a break. But before we do, I want to let people know and just kind of remind you, you know, we spent some time on this show talking about palliative care and how important it is as part of the patient's total care package. And did you know that Regents Health Plans offers the most comprehensive palliative care benefits, providing an added layer of support when you and your family need it most? And I think that's really cool. So stay with us. We'll we'll be back in a minute, and we'll pick up this conversation on the other side. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking to Tambra Lane about tackling the challenges of caregiving. And Becky gave a little bit of a teaser right before break about this well beyond this program and that you have one thing that changes everything. Okay, we got to know what this one thing is. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we say that the one thing that changes everything is your energy and how you show up to any given situation relationship or the thoughts that you're having about the situations that you're facing. And when you are able to begin to put more mindfulness and awareness 
over the way that you show up, uh, which is different depending on the circumstances that are going on in any given day, then you're able to make different choices about whether or not continuing in that path is going to get you the outcome and the results that you want. So you know, one that of the makes challenges, perfect sense. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, that, um, yeah that it, good sense. It, it simplifies things down, uh, I think, to like a, a single um, point of focus. And, and right. people can just learn to ask themselves the question, how am I showing up in this moment? Am I doing so in a way that is supporting me, is helping me get the results that I want, um, is energizing me? You know, if I'm choosing to spend my time a certain way, is that energizing to me? Is it something that builds up my energy resources or is it draining to me? And Mm -hmm. with caregivers and and cancer survivors or anybody going through a chronic illness situation, uh, it's really important to monitor and make the best choices possible so that we conserve energy because we need it for the whole healing journey. And, you know, really, in, in real life, that, that's just good practical advice anyway, because, you know, we all, even if we're not in the middle of caregiving or we're not in the middle of fighting our, our you know, illness battle, you know, there's stuff that happens all day long and things that come up in our lives. And it really does come down to how we, how we show up with that, too. I mean, it's just that's mm-hmm. really, really good advice. And I can see that fitting in very, very well with, with what you do with, with the caregivers. So good for you. That's awesome. Well, and, and again, you know, there are things in life, like you said, Becky, that, you know, aren't fair, right? <laughs> um, that, that are really crappy that we have to endure. And obviously, with, with uh, Tamber's experience of being a caregiver of her husband, being diagnosed with, with, a, with a, you know, scary disease. I mean, this stuff happens every day. And again, how are are we uh, our attitude toward it and how we go into it. If we go in all mad and irritated and guess what? We're not gonna have a very good day. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> I mean it just boils down to that. It is pretty simple. Um now it's a lot less simple to choose that every day but the fact that we do have that choice I think is an, a, a really important um, distinction. Yes there's a, so, an amazing so. quote by uh, Viktor Frankl that says when you cannot change the circumstances you're challenged to change yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I like that. You know, and of course, he's a perfect example of, uh, you know, having a really crappy situation, um, finding himself in, in that he has no control over, but he does have control of his attitude. So that was that was an amazing story that he had. Well, let's get back to your coaching. So you have a structured approach that you use with your with your clients. Um and you look at, is it seven different levels? Tell, tell me more about that and how that works. Sure. Well, it's always easier for people to come at something when they have a, a model or a paradigm, a way of, you know, kind of a, a lens of how they're going to view the world. And we have the lens that we have um, that's basically created by all the experiences and the information that we get as we're growing up. And uh, information from others, information from society, and things like that. And uh, some of it we choose, and some of it is kind of, you know, we just take it in and, and take it on. So when we have seven 
uh, a seven-level structure, it basically helps us understand um, seven key ways that we can view a situation. So if we look at the caregiver, uh, you know, there is um, one way of viewing the situation of um, I'm facing something that I didn't choose and uh, as far as like this is something that happened to my loved one and I'm absolutely going to live, you know, that kind of commitment of caring for them, but we didn't choose that circumstance. It came upon us. And so it's so overwhelming that I really don't know what to do and I'm completely paralyzed and since I have no control of the situation, you know, I just might as well give up. We're just stuck dealing with it as it is. So that first level is really just completely overwhelmed, stressed, and uh, almost paralyzed by the situation. And I know I totally felt like that at times. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. And, you know, and then this kind of the second level, um, it's actually a level of energy that we talk about where you can get a lot done from it. Um, So it's the the level of um, anger, defiance, um, or experiencing conflict. So it's a natural reaction to be angry at a situation that is uh, costing you dreams, costing you a life that you imagined, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, and, and yet it, it can be consciously used to help you get a lot done. So, uh, for example, uh, Gary was supposed to get um, results of a PET scan at one, you know, at an appointment we went to. And when we showed up, they said, oh, we're going to have to reschedule. And I inquired as to why. And they said, well, we can't find the scan. So, oh, and, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I could have either done level one, which is, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. They've lost the scans. We have to reschedule. But instead, I pulled in a little level two anger, a- anger energy, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not doing this. I said, where was the last time that anybody saw the scans? Well, over in radiology. I said, where's radiology? I was down the basement of another building. I said, I'll be right back. <laughs> so I marched over to... Marched and you went and got him. <laughs> yep. And I, you know, I, I ran into a nurse and I said, where's Dr. So-and-so's office? And she said, it's over there. And I walked into his office because he wasn't there. The door was open. And there were the scans sitting right on the desk. Gary Wisner, big oh, letters. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I picked them up. I walked past her. I said, I'll make sure these are returned to you. I'm taking to the, them to the appointment right now. Marched across the street, handed them the scans. And the woman looked at me and she said, would you like a job here? <laughs> You the finder. <laughs> I know when I get mad about things, my house gets clean. So I understand <laughs> that anger energy. It's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. Yeah, scrubbing exactly. things. <laughs> so we can use yes. that energy to achieve results, but it's not sustainable. It's not a way that we want to go through through life because it will be draining over time. And, uh, and it can also be experienced as internal conflict. So when we want to be giving our best to our loved one as a caregiver, but we're stressed and we're fatigued, and we snap at them, we lose patience, then we can create like an internal um, self-judgment and conflict with ourselves, and that drains our energy even further. So you can see this can become easily a a downward spiral for people and a loop. Mm -hmm. And really what we're looking at through the model is to help people kind of break that pattern and, um, and then be able to more quickly move into level three energy, which is about um, cooperation and taking responsibility and being able to make, up, make a, a longer-term plan about how you're going to go about doing this. So with, um, you know, with level three energy, we're teaching the client to ask in a moment, what's something I can do uh, to resolve the situation, resolve the problem, or address 
the challenge that I'm facing. Because when we take on responsibility, then we can actually change the outcome. So if I hadn't taken responsibility in that moment and decided that I was going to go look for the scans, then um, basically I have no power, I have no control, and I'm back in that level one of, well, it's whatever the healthcare system is doing with the records and we just have to wait and see. Um, and then in level four, which is an energy that um, caregivers often have a large amount of, that's all about compassion and being of service to others. And which is a great thing, but what I really work with on caregivers around this energy is making sure that they're not overgiving, and right. you know the, that they are also having compassion for themselves, and That's really important. using that as an opportunity to start to practice self-care, so that they can be there uh, for the long run in the role of caregiving and not burn out. Um, and then you know, in advice. level five, we talk about. Um, uh, moving into a place of, uh, you know, actions, thoughts, and relationships where we're experiencing more peace in life um, because that peaceful energy is really, res- you know, a great way to resource ourselves. Um, and when we come at things from a peaceful place, we have access to a lot more strategies and brainstorming and creative ideas because sometimes you have to get creative when you are facing a challenge or you're trying to achieve a goal. And we need to be able to think outside the box. Um, you know, if we're you know, angry and upset and stressed, it really limits our capacity to be mindful, to think of alternative ideas and, um, and to come up with, you know, solutions in, uh, in a way that serves us. Um, level six energy is, uh, you know, experienced often as joy uh, and this is something that is you know, easily dropped out when we're going through uh, the situation of a life-threatening chronic, you know, chronic disease, um, caregiving, you know, over the long term, and yet it's such an important part of life to be able to still feel joy and experience joy in moments in your day, um, no matter what's going on, again, so that you can, you know, kind of tap into that energy, and it's really defining that, what that is for you. So I talk about having extraordinary moments, um, and this was something that really came. It was a gift from, from Gary. It was something he was very adamant about when we went through our experience, um, and that is that uh, we always enjoyed doing unique things, whether it was um, sometimes it was a travel or a trip or, you know, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. And it was interesting because, you know, as he got more ill, sometimes those things became as simple as a walk down the block, you know, at sunset and really just enjoying being able to walk a block or two and back holding hands. And that became a very extraordinary moment for us because there were days when he couldn't do that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But those That's extraordinary great. moments just bring that, that joy and that moment of letting everything else kind of slide away and just being present to that so that we can appreciate what we do have. Sure. Right. That's great. Really being in the moment. Yes. Yeah. yeah and then, sense. you know, level yeah. seven is about helping people really move to a place of feeling, you know, completely connected with themselves, the world, and being able to live in a space, you know, or come from a space of non-judgment, non-judgment of ourselves and non-judgment of others. And when we can observe situations and then make decisions and choices and, and actions and have our thoughts come from a place of non-judgment, um, 
and just be observational about things, it reduces a lot of the stress out of situations. So, uh, you know, there was no time in our relationship, you know, where Gary was ever trying to make me angry about something. Um, and, yeah, and yet sometimes we can perceive things as somebody doing something to us. And there was a moment one day we had done a little remodel on our bathroom and fresh paint on the walls. And I walked in and there was damp towels hanging on the hook against the new paint. And I got really angry about it. You know, why would he do that? And he wasn't thinking. And, you know, and so there's a lot of judgment going on right there. And I walked into the kitchen and because he was standing in a place in that moment of non-judgment, when I told him about the towels and I was so upset, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, clearly this is not about the towels. What's the bigger oh, yeah. thing that's going on for you right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You taught him well. <laughs> no, that yeah. was him. He brought that to the table. <laughs> this was long before okay. I had my coaching training. <laughs> and, well, and it is know, fascinating is- how we can we can go off on something that has absolutely nothing to do with what really is agitating us inside. But sometimes yeah. it's hard to pinpoint, you know, exactly what the problem is. But again, when you come to that conversation in a non-judgmental place, you can say something like that in a very loving way. And mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of stops you in your tracks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Tamber, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Cause it sounds like, like this is probably a very normal process for most people to go through, to go from, from that first level to the seventh level. Is there, I mean, and I'm sure everyone takes that at a different pace, but is there, something that you can look at and say, okay, this you're hanging too long in level one or two and we need to move you to three. I mean, it, what, what's the norm? Is How long should that whole process take? Well, it's, you know, obviously it certainly depends on the person and the situation. If it's a small thing, like somebody cuts you off on the roadway and you're angry for a second, then usually you can catch yourself pretty quickly and move out of that. Oh, well, that's not going to help. Okay. You know, yeah. and maybe right. he didn't intend <laughs> yeah. to cut me off. Maybe he was avoiding something that I didn't see, um, right. you know, or he just didn't see me. So it's not personal. Um, right. So something like that can be pretty quick. Um, going through something, you know, much deeper can take longer. Um, over, certainly I work with clients to, uh, to do things like noticing where in their body they're feeling the tension of being under stress. Um, and that's, you know, kind of the, the physical experience of those two lower levels is typically tension and stress and noticing when that's becoming um, escalated. And that's okay. kind of like the red flag of, oh, I'm at a choice point right now. I can continue to be stressed by the situation and either feel overwhelmed or angry or conflicted. Or I know from my coaching that I can actually choose something different right now that might serve me better. Um, and then, you know, they kind of go through, you know, well, what energy level might support, you know, might be best for me right now. Maybe I need to practice some self-compassion right now. And I'll ah, the level okay. four. Yeah. Um, okay. And we're, you know, of course, we're never all one level uh, because there's multiple things going on in our life and there's multiple levels of energy at play in any given situation. Over time, people become a master at this model and can actually be pretty quick at saying, you know, right now what I need is I just need to, you know, experience absolute passion in this moment. That's the thing that is going to help me 
just fire forward and be excited. And I'm going to choose that over feeling like this is something that I have to do and it's not of choice. You know, so I just picked up something from all of this and I'm sorry, I'm a little slow. I haven't been through life coaching training. I've been through life, but, (laughs) but so, so when I hear, when I think about um, like, you know, people go through these different stages of grief, you're not really talking about going through stages. You're actually talking about consciously learning a process so that if you find yourself in level two, you can move to level three or four because you've learned about it. And so you're more teaching them a learned behavior rather than just recognizing the stages habits. of grief. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Habits, okay. habits, habits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Practice so we only, perfect. <laughs> we only have about 30 seconds left for this break. So we'll probably just end this part right now and come back on the other side. So uh, this has been, this is really great conversation and we really encourage people to call in. Um, the number is 866-472-5792. If you have a question for Tambra, about caregiving or a situation you're in, feel free to give us a call. But stay stay with us. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, we've been talking with Tambra Lane about tackling the challenges of caregiving and talking about those seven levels. Becky, didn't you have a question about that? I, I do. And so I know that for you know for caregiving is a very, very tough thing to do. And for a lot of people, I think when they're new at it, they really don't understand. And like you said, they're in that kind of first overwhelmed stage. 
there's got to be, it sounds like there are so many benefits for them to learn these seven steps. So can you share with us maybe what the benefits might be of being the conscientious um, caregiver rather than the reactive caregiver? Can you can you speak to that? <laughs> Uh-oh, did we lose Tambra? Uh-oh. Okay, Uh-oh, sorry about that. Sharon, why don't you go ahead and tackle yeah. that? <laughs> Well, you know, the, the interesting part about um, any of these habits that we're creating, um, they, take, they take practice. Oh, she's and, back. Oh, good. Okay. So, Tamara? Yes, the benefits of being a more conscious caregiver. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those is do not uh, disconnect the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Stay connecting. Being able to stay connected is one of the benefits. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because it really comes down to being able to make um, make the kind of choices that allow you to have more energy and better health and more patience, um, and really reduce the stress around it, so that you can really be the kind of caregiver that you most want to be. And that means, um, you know, being there sustainably um, in it for the long run, but also showing up in the way that you really, you know, do when you're not under stress, like being able to be supportive, being able to listen, uh, being able to work through decisions together um, in dialogue and conversation uh, versus argumentative. Uh, kind of yeah. uh, situations which can kind of happen in communication when we're under stress. So yeah. there's mean, a lot really, of benefits. You're probably feeling really guilty when you're upset when the other person's really going through the disease and potentially going to pass from this disease. And and yet, you know, you, you get to this pity party place where it's like it's all about me because I'm, you know, having to sacrifice. And then, then you feel guilty and awful because you feel that way. So it doesn't do us any good, really, to, to, be, to be and stay in that place. Yes, exactly. And this really gives you a structured approach to understanding, you know, what is your role? How are you, you know, how are you defining your role? How are you showing up in it? What tools, resources, and support do you need to be able to, uh, you know, live your life well as a caregiver? And um, as I said, you know, show up the way you want to show up and not be, um, uh, you know, putting yourself in a situation where you lose your patience and then criticize yourself for doing so. Exactly. Well, that makes sense. Well, you know, we have a whole nother topic we want to bring up, and this is this care plan that you came up with. Tell me a little bit about it and what inspired you to come up with the this concept of a care plan for caregivers. You know, everything I've been doing up to this point actually opened doors to an opportunity to design an online coaching-based program called the Well Beyond This Care Plan. And it came out of a, um, a frustration of not being able to reach enough caregivers and cancer survivors quickly and cost-efficiently with, you know, a coaching-based approach. So this really helps large populations both efficiently and cost-effectively access a process that helps them create greater well-being and face the challenges of going through chronic disease, you know, either as a patient or a caregiver. And all of that led to me becoming a co-founder of a health technology company called Well Beyond This. And it's really exciting because it fulfills my personal mission of transforming the survivorship and caregiving experience for others. 
so they don't have to struggle through it alone, like, you know, I felt like Gary and I were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you Sounds know, the like idea it. behind a care plan was actually inspired by the Commission on Cancer guidelines that came out in 2012, uh, and that and experiencing, you know, the frustration that I kept hearing from a lot of the healthcare professionals uh, where um, cancer survivors weren't implementing the resources and recommended health um, behaviors that they felt would improve their well-being, their energy, and perhaps um, also, you know, lead to some preventative care as far as recurrence goes. So I heard the frustration of the healthcare providers. Um, you know, we give people information, you know, but they don't take the action. And, um, and then, you know, this idea of really using coaching as a way to support behavior change and came up with a strategy of an online program that combined phone coaching with a technological platform that delivers uh, information, knowledge, exercises, and tools to help people understand the seven levels of energy, understand uh, stress and the impact it's having, and then begin to transform that stress into energy that can actually work for them, uh, not against them. So, wow, uh, that sounds play- very comprehensive. <laughs> it is. It's extremely comprehensive. It's a four-month program, and you know the Commission on Cancer guidelines, uh, you know, kind of pulled together on all that. There was over a decade of studies that show that people do better when they have a care plan in survivorship. And as a coach, that's the thing that I see over and over again, and even in my own personal life. You know, if, if I'm facing the unknown about something, the first thing I do is come up with a plan. Because when I have a plan and I can break it down into action steps, then I feel like I have a, a, a way to move forward and things become less unknown, they become more clear, and I can, you know, attempt a strategy at something. And if it works, great, I'm further down the road. If it doesn't work, then I can shift and adjust self-observe and say, okay, well, let's try this instead. That didn't work. Let's try this. Um, And so understanding the value of care plans really motivated me to bring something together that worked not only for cancer survivors, but also for caregivers. And eventually there'll be a version for people who just want to, you know, as you pointed out earlier, life coaching is a great kind of strategy for everybody in the seven levels everybody can benefit from. So um, there'll be a version for people to use as a form of prevention as well. That's wonderful. Can, can so, I ask a question just real quick? Can you give us like an example of what one, like one thing that might be on your schedule as it, for part of your care plan? Because I'm still struggling to understand the concept. Again, it's because I'm a little thick in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> it's a chemo brain, way too much of it, you know. <laughs> um, so... What you're wanting to know is, like, what's one component you might work on as part of the care plan? Yeah, well, you, you talked about having, you know, putting it down, like, kind of like on a to-do list, I'm sort of imagining. And so just something that would be on there that you could look at, make sure you're doing it, staying on, you know, just, just so I can get a concept, a little bit more clear picture of that concept. Sure. So phase five of our care plan is where we create a plan for well-being. And that's um, an actual written out plan. And we encourage cancer survivors to bring any recommendations um, that they may have from their health care provider into uh, the care plan. Um, and the same thing for caregivers. You know, what is, uh, what is one area where you're really suffering a lot of stress or low energy that you want to focus on? Um, so it could be um, 
often what goes off the, off the wayside for caregivers is any, any kind of physical activity. Um, they just don't make time for it. And okay. so, you know, physical activity, of course, has so many benefits to it. And so we help them take the strategy of I want to um, engage in physical activity three times a week consistently for 20 minutes at a time is what I'm going to start with. And then we break that down into uh, manageable action steps and help them set up accountability and reminders and uh, check-ins so that Mm -hmm. they stay on track with that plan. And then at the end of the week, observe that outcome. Do you feel better as a result of it? Were you able to achieve it? And if you weren't able to achieve it, not judging that, but um, really looking at um, what obstacle got in the way Mm -hmm. and what strategy do I need or what resource do I need to make sure that uh, that maybe doesn't happen the coming week. So maybe childcare fell through and I couldn't get to the gym. Ah, okay. Okay. Right? So, so it's, kind of, it's kind of like putting it on your calendar, making time for it, making it fit. And then if it doesn't, something goes wrong, you analyze why. So you're doing the follow-up, not just taking it off your list. Ah, I don't have time today. Move on. But you're actually analyzing what's going on and the accountability. Okay. It's becoming clearer. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, and understanding the why you're doing it. So that's really when we tap, we tap into the values um, you know, exploration that we do earlier in the program to, you know, to say, why are you choosing to do physical activity? Not just because the doctor told you, because if we do a should, that doesn't, that's not too motivating. But there's yeah, something, it may be, you know, more energy for your family. It may be to make sure that you stay well. So really identifying what is the value um, that motivates me to uh, complete this plan. Okay. Right, right. That makes yeah. sense. So, again, when you're talking about a care plan, it's kind of a long-term sort of thing, um, and it can re- help reduce stress and that overwhelm that we feel and, of course, uh, increase just well-being in, in, our, in our person. And whether it's for the woman who's just finished her cancer treatment and she's trying to get her life back or somebody who has been a caregiver. I mean, I've, I've talked to caregivers who all of a sudden, you know, the patient's better and now their role isn't the same. And so they feel kind of weird because they don't have a role in their <laughs> anymore, right? Um, and so, again, getting your own life back after being a caregiver, too, is part of this whole process. Yep, absolutely. You can, you know, care plans are great uh, to use as a tool for transition times when things do shift and change. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. So who, ne- who needs a care plan? Well, my personal opinion, as I said, I think everybody can use one. <laughs> we just do better when we have a plan. So definitely. Yeah. Why did I think you were going to say that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I bet she says everybody. Everybody <laughs> needs a care plan. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and it's true, though. I mean, we, we all might have a little different, you know, word for it. Or, you know, I, I, I go through my, uh, you know, I'm pretty positive most of the time. But I get into a funk every once in a while. And then I pull out my motivational stuff and, you know, talk about it's a choice and mindset and all this kind of stuff. So I think we all kind of have our, our have our ways of um, kind of tuning up <laughs> our attitudes and our, and uh, what's going in life and understand that, that 
just like we talked about at the very first part of the program, these are all choices that we make every single day. And some days it's harder to put your shoes on in the morning, you know, and get yourself motivated. But if you have a plan, I think we're all going to do better that way. You know, Tambra, we only have about three minutes left and um, or two, something like that. So can you just tell us real quickly, because um, I really don't want to run out of time. This is so fascinating. I know people are going to want to know more. How can listeners learn more about or become an advocate for getting care plans into the hands of caregivers? You know, and, and for that matter, survivors. I mean, how, what, what resources and how can they get a hold of you to figure out more? Sure. So we've got a website up at wellbeyondthis.com. And uh, that's a great website to get started with. It explains a lot more about the care plan process. Definitely, the more people start asking their providers for care plans, and that's going to drive it. There was actually a study done on young adult cancer survivors and care plans, and one of the outcomes of the study was that it's going to take, uh, most likely, the cancer survivor asking for the care plan to really drive the need forward. And they can definitely email me at your team at wellbeyondthis.com, and we'll send some helpful caregiving and advocacy tips guide um, and keep people updated on the new program for caregivers and when that will be available. And if they're interested in the program, then just let us know in the email. So that's your team, all one word, at wellbeyondthis.com. Or if they've got any questions they want to email me, they can do that there as well. Good. And one more time. Your team. Your team. Your team. Okay. Your okay. team at wellbeyondthis.com. So, Tambra, I'm, I'm, I know I'm hearing more and more physicians and medical people talking about the importance of self-care for caregivers. So that's pretty cool. But you know what? We are completely out of time, and I am so sorry because this went really fast, and you've been great. So we do have to go, but we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.